Hi everybody, welcome to another Real Estate Sessions Rewind episode. Today we're going back to December of 2021 and we're going to listen to Nate Jones, co-founder of Structurally. With all of the AI chat, pun intended, occurring today, I thought it'd be great to look at what Nate's doing with AI in creating chatbots that use AI to be even more human-like in their responses. Enjoy. We have a, a number of what we call intents that are like flags to say they think they're talking to a bot. Um, one of them is called like determine if human. So someone will say like, hey, are you a robot or is this a real person? And we're really proud to say that through our analysis, 99.9% .9 of all of our messages do not have that intent present. So that's to say 0.1% of all of our millions of messages, uh, you know, someone thinks that they're talking to a robot, possibly. You're listening to the Real Estate Sessions podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Risser, Executive Vice President, Strategic Partnerships with Rate My Agent, a digital marketing platform designed to help great agents harness the power of verified reviews. For more information, head on over to ratemyagent.com. Listen in as I interview industry leaders and get their stories and journeys to the world of real estate. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 302 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. As always, thank you so much for tuning in and really thank you so much for telling a friend. It's how we continue to grow this little show uh, that started in 2015 and we're still rolling. Today, I'm talking to Nate Jones. Nate is the co-founder of Structurally. And if you're wondering how to use AI in the real estate space, I think these guys have nailed it. It's really a fun conversation. I can't wait for you to hear this. AI is not scary. It's not going to like, you know, um, destroy mankind. We're going to have a great conversation about how the number one thing that agents hate to do the most gets taken care of with this company. So let's get this started. Nate, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bill. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I, you do something at Structurally that I can't wait to talk about. I'm going to ask you about chatbots and all the, the back in the day when they first started, how cool they were. But uh, it's we're going to go to a whole nother level. I'm very excited to see that, to, to, to hear that. Um, but first of all, I want to find out a little bit about you. I know that your company's based in Iowa. Uh, I know you went to Iowa State. So I'm just going to assume, Nate, you grew up in Iowa. <laughs> that is correct. I grew up in Des Moines, a little suburb of Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I always lovingly like to call it the Silicon Prairie which gets a few laughs some of the time, but it actually is becoming uh, kind of a little mini tech hotspot, believe it or not, amongst the corn fields. There is a lot of corn. I think we are actually more known for our pigs though, but growing up here, I've been really excited to see a lot of uh, cool technology uh, come out of Des Moines, Ames, Cedar Rapids, kind of all over the state. And um, I think it's only just becoming more so with the uh, remote first kind of environment now. Yeah, I would think that uh, for like the cost of living and the 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 type of um, uh, the, just the type of atmosphere that you can have there is going to mm -hmm. be really powerful, drawing people in, right? Yeah, I mean, much yeah, like can, Austin, much like Austin did. You know, I always like to go to Des Moines occasionally, which is the capital, the big city of Iowa. I mean, it takes like five minutes to get get in and out of traffic, even on uh, even during rush hour, and people just like don't believe that, but. <laughs> It's just kind of the way of life here. I, I, I love it. And, and I, ha I have to bring up what's over in Dyersville, Iowa, because in, in the 90s, I, I, my wife and I did make a day trip from Wrigley Field. We mm -hmm. watched a Cubs game and then drove straight to Dyersville. 
so mm-hmm. we could so we could go to the Field of Dreams. And then they had that awesome, awesome uh, game. You know, they, they finally get to pull it off, and that was fantastic. Have you ever been there? Just tell me. I've drove by it a number of times. I've never been able to set foot on it, but Kevin Cosner's pretty cool. It's a great claim to fame for Iowa, um, and that that game was amazing. It was it was like a movie, like they, yeah. they scripted it in a way. Yeah. yeah, for all those people that think that sports are fixed, that that wasn't good because it's just cemented, <laughs> it cemented their their beliefs. Yeah, the conspiracy is, theorists yeah, were like, awesome. "I told you so." That's I knew it. <laughs> That's too bad. You were still you're still finishing school when this idea was hatched, right? So let's real quick let's talk about um, while you're at Iowa State, how does this come about? Yeah. Yeah. I was, I always like to say that structurally was my first and only job uh, in my life so far, uh, which it still is. That's still the case. Uh, I decided that it was a really easy transition to just go from eating ramen noodles at school to eating ramen noodles at uh, my job. So what better time than uh, right out of college to start a company in, in school, my co-founder and I, Andrew, he went to the university of Iowa and we're okay with that, but we don't really like to talk about it because those, you know, those guys out uh, east don't know what's going on. Yeah, but, you don't. You don't even say the H word. I noticed no. that was. Yeah. Okay. Nope. Good. Good. It's okay. just the the school out east. Okay. But we uh, we kind of co-founded structurally together while we were still in school, talking a lot. Um, we ended up. Andrew studied finance. I studied urban planning and GIS, geographic information systems, which actually has a ton to do with like real estate. I mean, it's essentially just mapping on steroids is what I like to say. Mm-hmm. And we ended up talking to a lot of real estate agents in school, just kind of naturally. Uh, we were pretty interested in just like real estate investing, which made no sense because we had no money in college, but it was something we were interested in and wanted to learn about. Ended up talking to a lot of real estate agents and uh, really got interested in technology mostly in the investing space, but then it just kind of transit translated to like, Hey, you know, while I have you, what do you really hate doing? And it was constantly, I hate following up with leads. Um, agents love to be face to face in person, closing deals, showing homes, things like that. But the behind the scenes, cold calling, following up with leads, the mundane, kind of where the money is made really is, is really difficult even for every salesperson. I mean, Everyone loves the the closing chase, but the the chase for people who are just not responding to you or telling you to get lost, no one likes doing that. And we really set out to solve that with technology, which is kind of how Structurally was born. That is the number one pain point for every realtor out there. Even the teams that are most successful will complain about their system's just not good enough. Even those that have fantastic systems, it's got to get better, right? Mm-hmm. And you're going to fit right into that. So this is going to be fun, fun, fun conversation. But first, look, we're recording this on Friday. It's the 19th. It's a week before Thanksgiving. I know tomorrow the Cyclones travel to Norman, Oklahoma. Dude, this is going to be, I mean, look, Iowa State's done some great things in football in the last couple of years. You know, really, really just blossomed. Can Iowa State shut down the Sooner running game? Can they, will they pick up a little something from Baylor last week? Tell me, give me your thoughts. And I, I'm going to want to score. So we're going yeah. we're gonna, to we're yeah. memorialize this. Yeah. Iowa State has had Oklahoma's number in the past couple of years. We have had a little bit of a letdown this season. There was a lot of hype going into this when we started the season ranked, I think like fifth or eighth or something like that. And yep. we're not ranked in the top 25. 
But I feel like that might be a chip on their shoulder on our shoulder. We tend to have a very slow start. I would say last week's game was a fluke that we lost to Texas Tech. He hit what a 60 yard field goal. Who does that? Right. Uh, to win the game. And I think that probably is gonna have a little chip on our shoulder. We've got something to prove. So I think we're gonna I think we're gonna squeak out a win. All right. I, I, we got it here. We'll, we'll come back and I'll probably hit you up later in, in the week and we'll play that back for you. Okay. So, so you're either going to be super happy or like, oh, Bill, can you delete that? <laughs> you know, so you, you'd already chatted about the fact that um, really the number one issue with realtors uh, was the is the follow up, the process, the curation, the conversion, all that stuff that they've got to do with leads. Right. When you when you discovered that was the, the problem, I'm I don't think. AI was your first guess. Did, did you think someplace else or was that the first place you went? It was actually the first okay. place we went. So okay. we set out and said like, you know, call centers, human call centers are, oh, you know, old school. It's been around yeah. for 20 plus years. You know, not a lot of people like, like cold calling, not a lot of people like the call center job. It's kind of one of those like last generation relics that human that humanity is like ah, i know we kind of need <laughs> these but like no one really likes this job too much right and i think that because chatbots were like at the really top of the hype curve in like 2015 when we started this that gave us like some confidence to say like i know this is super early and i know this might have a lot of hype behind it but i think there could be something here let's rally around that hype it's very clear that um, if chatbots are coming this far into mainstream, there has to be some sort of technological advancement that made that happen um, that didn't just happen overnight. And if you're familiar with that, I forget what it's called, but it's the the curve the the curve that goes to the the top of the hype curve down to the trough of despair and then back to the kind of leveling out. We hit chatbots at the top of the hype curve. They got a ton of bad press from like now from 2015 to like now because there were they were they were a really bad experience. I'm sure everyone has been on a website or talked to one where it's like you say the wrong thing and it just says I don't understand or you have to restart it or you literally just have to tell it what it wants to hear to move on. Right. That gave chatbots a really bad name. And so we set out um, at the start of Structurally to say that can't be our experience, especially in a market like real estate, mortgage, leasing, uh, wherever, where there's a high ticket item kind of on the line here. Our conversations had to be human-like. So although we didn't set out to say, let's solve this with humans, we said, we still have to have, we have to solve this in a human-like way. And I think we picked the hard path to start actually, but it's really paid off for us, I think, even uh, through today. Is there is there someone else out in the, the in the the tech world, no matter what industry, working on this as well? Like, was there someone that kind of at least you could look at and go, okay, I get a sense of what they're doing? Yeah, there have been a number of at least in realist like the property tech space. There's been a number of call center human call center companies that we more or less compete with. That's kind of their MO. They usually try and pit humans versus chatbots and AI can't be as human-like as, as humans. And that's kind of how they attack us and things like that. But, you know, I think we've proven that that's just, a, that's just kind of a marketing ploy these days. Our conversations, we've had, you know, 
millions, millions and millions of conversations. And we've done really granular analysis of what people are actually saying in our conversations. Because one of the beauties of conversational AI versus humans is you can literally glean insights from every single message because they've all been labeled in a very particular way. And we have tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of hand labeled or AI labeled messages. So we can look back at all of our conversations and say, okay, uh, this, this many people said that they're going through a divorce. This many people said they just had a new child. This many people said they're a veteran. We can also see this many people hinted at thinking they're talking to a bot versus a human. So we have a bunch, we have a, a number of what we call intents that are like flags to say they think they're talking to a bot. We, one of them is called like determine if human. So someone will say like, Hey, are you a robot or is this a real person? And we're really proud to say that through our analysis, 99.9% of all of our messages do not have that intent present. So that's to say 0.1% of all of our millions of messages, uh, you know, someone thinks that they're talking to a robot possibly. Wow. Let's talk about because it, um, as we're sitting, I'm listening to you and this database of the of replies and responses and all this stuff, it just... There's, there's a whole lot of machine learning going on in the background. My guess is a lot of data science going on, but, but, but somehow you had to have a, you had to have a starting point. And, and I think I've, I was looking at your site and your, your, some of your staff and there, there's a, there's a, you know, for this authentic automation, which is your phrase, which I think is fantastic, authentic automation, because we know there's a ton that's not, um, but you actually have like AI trainers on staff, people who are, trying to make that better. And it, from the beginning, it had to be, I mean, I don't even know where you started. You know, what was the, what was the first, if you can remember, what was the first question you answered? You go, okay, let's put this in the, the library or whatever it's called. Yeah. When we started, we had to build like a framework. Otherwise it was just kind of like conversation to have conversation. And I think that's actually one of the most interesting, like engineering problems that we've solved. Like how do you design a conversation programmatically. Wow. How do you think through every possible turn that someone could take in a conversation and account for it in a structured way? That was like the first thing that we did. So we, it, there's kind of a common library of words that conversational AI uses. Intense is one. Slots is another. Context is another. Alexa, Google Assistant. They all kind of use terms like that to structure how you think about a conversation. So like an intent for example, like I said, determine if human. Think about all the ways that someone could say, are you a robot? Are you a human? Infinite. Right. And we have over 300 of those intents. So those are const that's a constantly growing library of every possible thing that someone could say in, in some way. And then slots are like data that we extract in the conversation. So if someone says, I want a two-bed home, that would be beds equals two. We have hundreds of those. Contexts are the relevant conversational kind of point we're at in a conversation. So if we have just asked a lead, hey, how many beds do you want? And they say two. Out of context, we have no idea what two means. Two pillows, two coffees, two cars. <laughs> right. But in context, we know that beds equals two. So all of those three things working together is really how we started. We had to kind of define context, define slots, define intents. And that's where we started structurally. 
in a really rudimentary way to work, make them all work together to kind of have a conversational model. And if you think about the combinations of those, it's literally infinite. And that is, I think, why we've seen such superior scale and the ability to have super flexible conversations because we've built our product in a way where anyone can say anything at any time in our conversations. And the combination of those three things uh, work together to drive the conversation forward in a really human-like way. Do you get feedback from customers who say, wow, I really wish this would happen with your with your program? Yeah. Yep. All the time. So we have like, I was just doing a count the other day. We have over 50 pre-built scripts and drip campaigns. A lot of our customers just use and trust out of the box because we analyze our conversations, tweak the scripts and kind of go from there. And we hear all the time from customers, hey, I wish it would have, this would have said this, wish it wouldn't have said this, so on and so forth. But we have a really robust script customization product. So users can actually use a combination of those slots, intents and context, like I just said, wow. to customize their conversation. So if uh, someone says, you know, hey, what is your commission rate? Um, could you take some could you take some off? Every agent probably wants to answer that differently, right? They have different objections, yep. uh, handlers that they can throw throw their way. We have the ability to let our users customize all of those responses to their business, their terms, uh, and their brand. But we still handle the AI side of things. So we are doing the classification of all the different ways a lead could say, what's your commission rate? And then letting our users say, well, I would like to answer that question this way. Right. And it's always, you know, the way these things work, it's always an assistant. It's always somebody who's on staff and, uh, you know, can't answer certain questions with, in the world of real estate because of licensing and, and state regulations. And that's all handled as well with the, uh, I'll have someone get back to you. Right. I was watching in, uh, some of the videos and, and it's, it's very interesting. Um, mm -hmm. You focus on text. And SMS is the way to go. I've heard you say some very detrimental things about email. And by the way, I'm with you 100%. Let's talk, <laughs> let's talk about text versus email in, in, in what you do. Yeah. So we do support text and email. As much as I might uh, say email is dying, yeah. um, I think that the combination of text and email actually work really well together. Email will probably never go away. It's just so ingrained in our lives as humans. It is still one of the most adopted pieces of technology in the entire world. I use it every day. You use it every day. My grandma uses it every day. Literally everyone from every generation uses it constantly and it's not going away. But that's not to say that it's not got its flaws. I mean, it has low open rates. It has low response rates. It's kind of abused these days. And I think that in um, spaces where you're building a really personal relationship, like real estate, mortgage leasing, Texting is just the kind of de facto channel, but you still have to give your users options. So a lot of our pre-built scripts that I've talked about and drip campaigns play off of one another and text and email and say on text, hey, I just shot you an email, wanted to see if this was a better channel for you to respond. Yeah. And on email, hey, I shot you a text, but wanted to see if email was a better place for you to respond. And our AI can actually pick up conversations if they start on text, go to email, go back to text. So it feels really human-like. And I think that's just kind of where the world is moving 
Um, we have long said it structurally that we believe that messaging is eating the world. Doesn't matter where. Email is a form of messaging. Text is a form of messaging. Facebook is a form of messaging. Yeah. Messaging is really eating the world. And you just need to be present where your customers are. You don't right. know where that might be, though. Right. I was at an Inman event a couple of years, a few years ago, and the it was about texting. And I was like, wow, texting. Okay. I, a whole session on texting. Uh, this will be interesting. Mm -hmm. But my favorite takeaway from that, I still to this day, was the, a way to bring dead leaves, dead leads dead opportunities back to life. And it was mm -hmm. just the simplest one. You probably know what I'm going to say, but it's like, are you still interested in property in, in Des Moines, Iowa? Mm -hmm. Question mark. And that's it. And my guess is that is right up your alley. Yeah. There is a huge opportunity in old leads. And that is a use case that our product supports in full. I think that agents, all salespeople just kind of give up on leads too, too early and they are onto the next new lead. They feel it's just human nature. They feel like, hey, this new hot lead is a lot more likely to close than this old lead. When in reality, it's not. We internally, structurally, when we're making sales, we're guilty of it too. Like we just looked at our database of prospects, of leads. And we, we saw like a thousand leads or so that haven't been touched in a number of months, but have expressed interest in the past. And we are just like fishing in that pond and just closing deals left and right. That is it, like, it's been our number one source of closed deals in the last, in this summer, really uh, up to now. And I think that's just like proof that works for us. Like we, you know, we need to eat our own dog food or drink our own champagne a little bit too. Cause um, old leads is really where there's a ton of opportunity, whether it's real estate, whether it's software, Whatever industry you're in, there are leads that need your attention uh, today. And if you're not following up with them, if you're not reaching out to them, you're doing your entire company a disservice. Yeah. And I don't have to do it as a cold call if I'm an agent. I can simply flip a switch mm -hmm. and, and uh, every one of them then start these conversations. I imagine yeah. you get some pretty cool comments from, from your customers back that are, that are just kind of going through these conversations, right? I mean, there must be mm -hmm. some, some great success stories that have happened over time, I would imagine. Yeah. I think there's some, there's some really good success stories. There's also some funny ones that stand out all the time. Yeah. I remember early on, we heard someone say like, wow, this, this thing qualifies leads better than my agents. I wish I could train them. We always recommend you frame our product as an assistant. Uh, it, A, kind of lets the leads put their guard down a little bit when they're talking to it uh, rather than an agent or at least what they feel like is an agent. And B, it gives us a really good setup. So we always kind of end our conversation saying our team leader is going to follow up with you here shortly. But what that has also created is like a really strong relationship between leads and the assistant, which you can customize its personality and name and email and all that. So much so where we've had a lot of customers come in like and tell us like, hey, I've had leads asking for my assistant, like where they're at in the office. And I have to just make up that, oh, they're on vacation this month or they're at the gym, they're out for lunch. Um, so <laughs> that's something that I didn't really anticipate when we started the company dealing with. But I mean, that's what we set out to do. It, it I would, what do you think at some point that if they're that far down that path, they're, they're already working with the, that agent, you almost have to go, believe it or not, that's uh, artificial intelligence at work. It's pretty cool. Don't you think? We've heard agents do both. We've heard, yeah. we've heard them just say like, oh, they're out of town. Don't worry about it. 
Um, but we've also heard him say like, yeah, that's a, a software program that I use. And isn't it cool how human like it was? And, you know, they kind of laugh and move on. Um, well, look, it, it, it tells it, well, what up from my first thought would be this agent knows what they're doing. Yeah. They're hiring the right people. This is the person I want helping me with my transaction. Yep. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think that's good. Let's talk about the future a little bit. Uh, it's hard to predict. I mean, like I said, I remember chatbots on Facebook, you know, you would, you would sign up for this thing and you'd build your little tree of responses, you know, that were just horrible in hindsight. And I know you're just getting rolling in this, but tell me, what do you, what do you, what's the future hold for this AI machine learning? I mean, this whole world in the world of real estate, what do you see coming? Yeah. So one of the places that I'm most excited about in the AI space, specifically conversational AI Mm -hmm. is, um, What I'll just say, what I'll call is generative AI. So AI that writes content on its own. That's a huge opportunity and has been made really apparent through a new technology that you may or may not be familiar with called GPT-3. So it is is the world's largest natural language processing model. It's trained on the entire corpus of text from the internet, basically, like an unfathomable amount of of text that it has consumed. It's been built by OpenAI, which is like an Elon Musk company, or was founded by him, and he now has really nothing to do with them. But this model has really transformed a lot of people's thoughts on AI, because what it's really set out to do is um, essentially without any training, it can perform any task that you give it, which sounds like literal, like sci-fi. Like you can go to this website, test it out, and you can tell it commands or you can write part of a sentence and it will finish it. So you can say like, write me a blog about remodeling your bathroom and it will just spit it out. And it's almost like you go through it and it just doesn't make sense that it can happen, but it's because it's trained on this corpus of the internet essentially. And you can, you can tweak it in certain ways to kind of fit it to your use case a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And what I'm really excited about is letting it write uh, sales copy, maybe property description copy, just like everything. If you think about how much time any salesperson, but specifically agents spend writing copy of any kind, uh, follow-up texts, follow-up emails, phone scripts, you know, even legal copy, social copy. There's just so much time that we spent that spend in our own heads with some large mental burden looking at a blank screen saying, I need to write a blog. I need to write a follow-up email. And products like this in generative AI will write 80% of all of your copy for you and let you take all that mental burden off you and you can just kind of tweak it. So what we're really excited about is using that to write scripts for us and write scripts for our customers and follow-up campaigns for our customers without even like thinking. It's just click a button, it's written it for you and now it's going to go do it for you too. So so this is, uh, you know, I'm just an old dude, right? So let me, <laughs> for me, it's like, uh, like I love Grammarly a lot. Now I had to do the heavy lifting. I had to write it, right? Or pay mm-hmm. somebody pay somebody to write like the show notes or whatever. And the ability to throw it into that product and then even say, I want this to be professional. No, this is more lighthearted. Oh, this can be funny. That's like almost like that's the baby steps to what this thing created. Am I am I on track? 
Yeah. So one of the yeah. really cool things with what we're doing possibly with this and what I've seen others do is you can kind of, you can tell it to write a blog post. You can tell it to write an email. Like these are tried and true use cases that's been proven work with this type of model, mm-hmm. but you can actually also feed it tones. Uh, I've seen people say, okay, write this in a witty format, uh, funny, professional, just like what you said. Yeah. And that's, it, it changes how it writes based on kind of how you describe uh, the tone to use. And that's just like another little like cherry on top of like, this is definitely going to change the way that a lot of people who spend a lot of time writing copy, which is like a huge part of sales and marketing yeah. uh, are going to do their jobs. They're going to point it in the the direction that it needs to get to let it do 80% of the work and they're going to come in and tweak it to be, you know, perfect, perfectly on brand. I want to talk to you about impactfulai.org. Doing some research, found out that you're part of a, a, a nonprofit that's out there. I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming the goals of the organization are to really bring to the front what, what this is, what it can do. It's not going to destroy the earth like the movie showed us, all that good stuff, right? Yeah, myself and Dr. Jason Mars and, and Pad. He's got a longer name than that that I'm not even okay. going to try and pronounce, All right. um, but he goes by Pad. So Pad is in uh, AI patent law. He focuses, uh, he's seen everything under the sun when it comes to patenting AI tech. Um, Dr. Jason Mars is a doctor, PhD, I believe in, in artificial intelligence. He started a number of AI companies. And what the three of us saw was just a ton of incorrect information about AI and that kind of has gotten under our skin over time. And, you know, it's like little things like when we see people claim that their AI is quote self-learning, that's just not a thing. Uh, (laughs) That's just a marketing ploy that people say to get business. And when you actually unpack that, you know, sure. You could maybe argue that some AI is learning from different patterns and such, but all of that data has been labeled at some point in some way in formatted in some certain way. And that labeling process is the core of AI. It's not just some magic black box that learns on its own. It's really just math and stats under the hood. And um, Dr. Jason Mars is a professor at the university of Michigan too, in computer science and math and stats. And this is just something that we set out and said, Hey, we got to talk about this. We got to kind of bring on guests to dispel some of these, you know, lies about AI. And uh, this is just something that we believe in. And, you know, structurally has had to fight a lot of that too. And so of the companies that Pat and uh, Dr. Mars have dealt with, we just get so much disinformation about the promises of chatbots that have failed, the promises of AI that are lies. And uh, we're just here to educate the market on, you know, what's true and what's not the best we can. Anyone listening, go to that website. There's a blog, right? That you can follow along and, and get some good information from. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, it's, it's awesome. We both know Eleni from wise agent and I was talking to her uh, at a dinner this week and I mentioned I was going to have you on the podcast. She goes, Oh, I love Nate, you know, and, and which instantly I thought, you know, yeah, that's, of course that's where structurally is going to integrate is <laughs> with all these, you know, I can imagine I, I'm just running through my head, a number of, 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 uh, CRM slash lead curation slash those kinds of sites in real estate. My guess is you're the engine that powers a lot of their their text work, and other work. 
Yeah. Yep. It's the same problem we solve for real estate agents, just yeah. slightly different um, and at slightly different scale. So right. a lot of these companies in real estate provide leads and they give leads to agents and their agents say, hmm, these leads are pretty bad. Why'd you give me bad leads? And then they're like, no, they weren't bad. You just followed up with them once and gave up. And there's just an endless back and forth there. And what we found with a lot of these companies is magically, when you add a dedicated, consistent, human-like text and email follow-up product to your suite, lead quality magically goes up because you know that it's going to be followed up with. You know it's going to have a good conversation. And agents can literally not you know, blame you for, quote, bad leads because it's also going so far as qualifying them. So, you know, it's not, it's not saying agents are lazy. It's not saying that they refuse to do follow-up. It's just, that's not what humans in the 21st century are made to do. That's, you know, that's the real precipice of what Structurally is here to do. It's not to replace agents. It's not to replace ISAs. It's to augment the role of ISAs. It's to augment the role of agents. Because the last thing any of us want to do is sit here and send thousands of messages with no replies and the replies that we do get are, uh, screw you, leave me alone. That's just not fun for any of us. And that's really uh, where we wanted to fit in, in, is in those CRM and marketing tech and lead gen tools. Yeah. You talk about the the, the numbers and the math, you know, t- typically, you know, the numbers bandied about for every 100 leads a typical agent gets, they'll close one or two will turn into a transaction. Mm-hmm. You only need to close one or two more to have a massive increase in revenue and success and everything. Yep. And, you know, so it's, we're not, you're not, you're not saying you're saying, oh, half of them will, will, will turn into transactions. No, just how about if we double or mm-hmm. even triple your little number into this number, right? Yep. That's very, pretty cool. Nate, gone past the time I asked of you. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the final question. I've asked every guest, you're episode 302. So no pressure, but you can't give the same answer as any of the first 301. I keep you on until you give me a unique answer. Got it. Okay, okay cool. Got it. Uh, what one piece of advice would you give a new agent just starting in the business? I would say make yourself known on social media. You know, I actually have a really fun story. Um, one of our salespeople at Structurally, Tyler, his wife, just left a, her full-time job and went full-time into being a real estate agent. And Tyler is a commission worker for Structurally. He's in mm-hmm. sales and his wife is going full commission. And I was like, oh, you have two kids. That's going to be a big change. And I was just like, okay, so what is what is Emma going to do, uh, his wife, to really stir up some new business real quick as a new agent? And he said, social media. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure. That's what everyone says. But I followed Emma on her social media and she is absolutely killing it. And I noticed that. And if I noticed that, I think that all of her followers are noticing that. It's just being so present that it's like every day I wake up, I'm not even like trying to seek her out. It's just her content is front and center in my face. It's on brand It's branded in a super specific way that I know is going to stick over time. And it's just like, you always hear people say like, oh, you should become the the digital mayor of your city. And like, I agree with that. That's part of what's happening here. But it's a lot more about like being being the digital mayor mayor of your sphere of influence and your um, alongside your uh, 
your kind of city. Um, and I think that one of the quickest and most effective ways to do that is through social media. And uh, I would suggest go follow, go going and following Emma Jordison. Uh, if you are a new agent and want to see how I believe someone is killing it in social media as a new agent. And look, listen, this is coming from the cohort that's buying more homes than anyone else in, in history. So mm-hmm. it, Nate, people should, people should do what you just said, follow mm-hmm. her and find out what's going on. I love it. Yeah. Nate, this has been great. I really thank you so much for letting me geek out a little bit and go deep into some of those things. You know, I know about slots now and, and <laughs> uh, it's really cool. I mean, I, 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 I'll be doing a lot more research and studying it and, uh, and I thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, absolutely. It was, a, it was a pleasure being here, Bill. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Sessions. Please head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash RE Sessions to leave a review or a rating and subscribe to the Real Estate Sessions podcast at your favorite podcast listening app.